favorite scary film, wasn't it? Hello everyone and welcome to another spooky edition of Films on Trial. This is the long one. <laughs> yeah, this is the long one. I'm... No, I'm not done yet. I'm... No, I'm not. I'm... I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Joel. I'm Dave. And I'm Austin. And this week we are reviewing Interview with the vampire mm-hmm. a vampire with the, the the vampire and just like interview from the vampire if you drink from us you'll live forever <laughs> That's, that is definitely a chat line joel's used before <laughs> oh come on come on poor poor Jesus poor God. taste poor taste <laughs> uh, so we've... can we limit him to like three so he's only got one more now so if you've never heard this show before, basically we take a film and we put it on trial. Usually those films are picked at random. However, this is Halloween Horror Month in which each one of us is picking one of our favourite and most underrated Halloween films or horror films and putting them on trial. There'll also be a lot of other spooky shenanigans, including a caption contest, a quiz, some terrible xylophone playing perhaps, some impressions and a lot of banter, so do stick around. I will say that it is a very spoilerific episode so if you haven't seen interview with the vampire which came out in about 1994 uh, i mean you know what have you been doing um but you can fast forward to our quiz or you can just come back to it at a later date once you have watched the film now before we go into the bulk of the show we should say that our previous spooky halloween horror film on trial was hocus pocus which was austin's pick Dave, you were the judge for that, and you decided mm-hmm. that the film should be placed on the hit list. Now, mm-hmm. you've since gone back and rewatched the film. Uh-huh. Do you think that you made the right call and placed it on the right list? Yes. Yes, I do think it's in the right place. I think, I think we were all in agreement, even yourself, Gav. You uh, recanted some of your prosecution points along the way there. And I think, yeah, it's, it's a good film, despite some, at times, perplexing arguments put forward by Austin. <laughs> 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 he's, he's still he still he hit a home run. And, yeah, I'd say Hocus Pocus is where it belongs. Yeah, I will apologise now to... Bet Midler. I'm sorry, Bet. I didn't mean anything that I said. Um, so we, we, well, before we get into the real bulk of the show, we like to go around and do a little bit of news. Now, please, please bear with me for a minute here. <laughs> okay. That's pretty good. Well done, man. Better than the usual shit, to be honest. whatever. Um, Yeah, so you know what that was? No idea. Oh, fucking hell. Uh, Alex Nils is... I can't name uh, it. <laughs> Sympathy for the Devil. Oh, yeah, 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 one of the Sorry. most used songs in films whenever somebody evil arrives on the screen. <laughs> it's literally like, hey, pleased to meet you. I'm an evil character. <laughs> <laughs> Those were the lyrics before uh, Mick Jagger's made the change. <laughs> so what we do here is we go around and we talk about the most newsworthy topics. Uh, so without further hesitation, I think it's me uh, to start things off. I wanted to talk about... The new Pet Cemetery. Now, mm. I, now, you may not know this because we haven't revealed our Halloween horror picks, but the original Pet Cemetery is going to be my Halloween horror pick. So I'm just advertising that there, guys. Uh, but they are actually remaking 
a uh, remaking the film not to say that the first one was so bad that they had to remake it they just put a new spin on it uh, it's directed i'm not gonna let anybody speak it's directed <laughs> by kevin kolsch and dennis uh, widmeyer who directed the film starry eyes has anybody seen that no. i have actually that's great isn't it it's actually pretty good so yeah, yeah. that's a good choice for it's a very very sort of, it was a sort of film that was made in uh, sort of like homage to 80s cinema i think mm. it's very, a lot of like kind of synthetic um sounds and it's very visceral so very I'd, atmospheric sort of horror feel i think yeah, yeah. definitely I'd, I'd like to like see, see what they do with it it's, it was also a sort of film about um transformations as well which like pet cemetery is as well so it'd be interesting to see their take on it i i think it's good because the first film was shit like the first <laughs> <laughs> so, so i, I think on, actually it's a good this. it's a good novel so i think it needs a it needs a good you know someone to do it properly. well is it a stephen king novel isn't it it yeah, is so. yes mm. it is so this film is going to start jason clark who is from the uh, what the second uh, Planet of the Apes film? Yeah, the, the cast oh, doesn't look that stellar. I'm not saying it's going to be bad, but well, it's not like a, a grab. So well, I don't think you need cast. you need like kind of those those grab your attention casts because I think with horror films sometimes if you have too recognisable a name in there, yeah. it detracts from it a bit. That's true. For example, mm-hmm. Interview with a Vampire. <laughs> 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 so uh, no, but what they do have, which I'm really really looking forward to, is John Lithgow playing the role. Yes of the neighbour George Crandall oh that's brilliant he is going to be I mean I, I don't want to like overhype it and I don't want to get my hopes up too much but I can just imagine him as the perfect bit of casting yeah. well he, I know I mean, I mean Fred Gwynn was the perfect bit of casting oh yeah Fred sure Gwynn was, was, was amazing was he Herman <laughs> Monster himself yes he <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes he was <laughs> okay well hopefully Dave will be the judge for <laughs> we finally get around to doing that um, so, so, so yeah are people excited for that uh, yeah no. yeah I think so I do <laughs> I'm a big fan of Stephen King's books. Uh, less of a fan of most of his adaptations. Exactly. When they get it right, they get it really right. Yeah. A la Shawshank, uh, even Green Mile to an extent, you know, and uh, The, the Mist and Stand By Me, The Shining, even though he disowned that. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, some of them can be horribly wrong. Well, is Stephen King anywhere near this film? Has he wrote, written a screenplay this time? No, I don't think so. I don't well, believe yeah. so. Yeah, we're, we're doing all right. <laughs> I like how you said, sometimes Stephen King films can work and, and then you listed like off... I got five, I got five. <laughs> yeah, you, but you listed all the ones directed by Frank Darabont. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they can work if Frank Darabont's involved. The way involved. your mind works, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, thank you very much for that, guys. Uh, so now we're going to pass on to the next bit of news. And I think, Alex, it's uh, your... Uh, yeah, so I just want to say that um, Margot Robbie, apparently, is going to start in a Barbie movie. Did you hear about this? I, I didn't. Barbie um, movie. A Barbie movie. I'm not quite sure how it's going to It's like a kid's work. movie. Yeah, well, I don't know. It's it's odd because I know Barbies are still going, but you and I know they've tried to like branch out and diversify and do all of that thing, but yeah. really Barbie's still got that connotation of well, it's Barbie, isn't it? Oh, so yeah, yeah. I don't know what they're going to do. I'm interested because I, I obviously think it's probably not going to be um just the actual sort of like Ken and Barbie look at my Well, know, so uh, <laughs> Here we go. I mean Here we I go. think yeah. it would be interesting to do the sort of like social network sort of thing so the story of maybe the creation of Barbie yeah. hmm. and the evolution of the doll over the years but however it doesn't look like they're going down that route I've just clicked on IMDb and I've got the synopsis for you here a doll living in Barbie land is expelled for not being perfect enough and sets off on an adventure in the real world a live action feature film based on the popular line of Barbie toys I wow. think that could be quite good. Yeah. I mean, it could be like Lego Movie because I mean, a lot of people yeah. said that how is that going to work as, as a film? Yeah, no, that is true. It, it's also just a clear corporate 
It is. Like, let's yeah. I mean, forget, let's just lest we forget, people said the same thing about Battleship, and yeah. they were quite right to do so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. It sounds like there might be a good message behind that, though. She's been booted out of a toy land it's for true. being perfect. She's going to come it, to the real it, world. It, it's true, maybe, but I think the messages are always going to be reined in by the fact they're trying to sell shit. Yeah. You know? so. <laughs> I think Margot Robbie's a great actress as well, possibly yeah. too good for this. Yeah. Well, well, we don't know yet. It might be an awesome film that <laughs> makes... Uh, is it... Who is it? Anyway? Mattel? Mattel I, I was thinking be, Mattel, yeah. yeah. I assume it's I'd Mattel. They, they just own everything, don't they? They did the McDonald's of the toy world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they own all fast food, don't they? <laughs> um, okay, well, thank you very much for that, Alex. And uh, just before we move on, Austin, I think I can smell something. <laughs> You are on fire today. Yes, back on it. <laughs> back on. Okay, so um, Austin, you had a piece of rock news for us, didn't you? I did. So uh, we all are massively looking forward to the Hobbs and Shaw, the um, Fast well, and Furious. Well, <laughs> I say all. Yeah, yeah. We're going to have, you know, we've got the Rock, we've got the Stath, Idris Elba. Film, Idris Elba now, and, um, yeah. and there's been a new... Uh, new edition, Eddie Marson is likely to be in the in the cast as well. Now. See, he's... that makes me want to watch it. Yeah, I do more. love Eddie Marson yeah, a lot. So, and I think that he's a good balance to you know the the, the other three are quite sort <laughs> of you know macho big action muscles. stars. You can't I like, see, yeah, but yeah. Eddie Marson's got the sort of like he's got the acting talent which Idris Elba has, but maybe the other two don't have so much, mm. would you say? So I think uh, Eddie <laughs> I mean, Marson will bring... You might, not get, you might not get support I, yeah, for just that. just went under the radar there a little bit. Uh, <laughs> Eddie Marson's got the sort of acting chops to maybe bring raise it up a, a, a level. I, I don't know if you can raise it up above the bar that The Rock is going to raise it, to be honest. Eddie, is... Eddie, Eddie Marson's a better actor than The Rock. <laughs> Isn't he, though? He is. No comment. He is. <laughs> no, no, Gav, Gav, I do need an answer there's, on this. Let's not lose our minds here. Yes, he, yes, is. he is. There's definitely some scenes where Eddie Marson would be better. I won't deny that. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, but all I'm saying time. is put Eddie Marson in a film with like a 60 foot CGI gorilla and see yeah, how well he does. Exactly. The Rock didn't do that well. Did he? <laughs> <laughs> he did better than Eddie Marson. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Right. Okay. So <laughs> thank you very much for that one, Austin. Uh, just to say before we move on, Alex, I think it's time for a little bit of. I've just realised that we spiced it up a bit last time, didn't we? You're so, trying to find the, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm trying, trying to, I'm trying to find effect. an appropriate sound effect to convey your film feels. So I think I've got one here. Hang on. Here we go. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. <laughs> All right, uh, this is a bit of a tricky one. So it's like, what is it, what's your favourite interview in a film? But maybe I'm just going <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, all right, should we go with that one then? Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Like, uh, what's your favourite interview in a film? Interview. Backsy oh. Frost Nixon. Can it? Can it? Can I? I'm going to have. Uh, it's not an interview per se, and you're going to not like it, but. Jack Nicholson and Tom Cruise in A Few Good Men. It's kind of an, it's an interrogation. It's an interrogation. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go with that. It's, I a, like it's that. a cross-examination. Cross-examination, a cross-interview. Well, I was originally thinking Usual Suspects. So Good one. Oh, yeah. It is, yeah. Because that's essentially one long interview, isn't it? Mm, that is. Told via flashbacks. Oh, well done. Yeah, you like that? You win. What's all win? You took Frost Nixon from me and then you won. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. Anybody else got any other interviews? Favourite interviews. Favourite? I, I actually can't think of a favourite interview. The only interview I can think of is, uh, isn't that like that elevator job interview in uh, Devil Wears Prada? Oh, yeah. That's the only interview I can think oh, of. Oh, yeah. That's and I was cool. trying to yeah. think of 
Oh, what about the interview? Oh, no, that's a TV show. It doesn't matter. It doesn't count. <laughs> I'm sure Ron Burgundy's had some good interviews. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that would have been a good one. I reckon about two hours later from this podcast, oh, yeah, I'm gonna have you we're going to be walking home thinking, oh, shit, that's a really good interview. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you very much for that, Alex. <laughs> what about Mrs. Doubtfire, the interview scene? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, a great, that's a really good interview. <laughs> But man, like man and Dave's arguments are literally just going to be peppered with, oh fucking hell, this is really Man, there's so many. But when you think about it, there's, there's so many different interviews in Mrs. Dalfire. It's not just the one classic interview. <laughs> um, okay, so as I said previously, what so what? Film? <laughs> what we do is we take a film and we put it on trial. So this week, Halloween Horror Month, it is Captain Dave's pick, and he has picked Interview with the Vampire. Dave, would you like to say a little bit about this film? Why you decided to put it on the on trial yeah i decided to pick interview the vampire because it is a film that i like uh but it's also a film i think we can have a good debate about it you know i remember when it came out the, the critics reviews were mostly positive but there was a bit of there was uh, some debate to be had there i think and i think we can certainly have the same debate now uh so yeah i just thought i'd look forward to having a discussion about this one to be honest with you well, thank you very much, Dave. So as you can tell, Dave is going to be defending the film and trying to get it placed on the hit list. That means in the role of prosecution is me, and I'm going to be trying my best to condemn the film, get it placed on the shit list. Our character witnesses tonight are played by Austin and Joel. They're going to be lending their genuine opinion and trying to throw a little bit of weight behind either side of the argument, which means our most important role this week is played by Alex. He's going to be the judge, and he's going to decide which list the film should be placed on based solely on the arguments put to him and not using his own opinion. So, without further hesitation, shall we give the listeners a bit of an idea as to what the film is about and spin that wheel of impressions? Okay, so it has landed on Joel. <laughs> I really enjoyed your witch impression. Yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, I've replaced all of the names on the wheel with Joel because I enjoyed it so much. Um, so essentially what Joel has got to do here is to read the synopsis of Interview with the Vampire Out, but he's going to do it in the style of a character from the film so or an impression essentially so who do we reckon guys uh, Kirsten Dunst <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I how's, how's your Banderas Joel can you do a good Antonio Banderas um, maybe not without sounding racist <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm really glad you said that <laughs> okay. I, I'll, do, I'll do Brad Pitt shall I yeah I'll, go on I'll accept Brad Pitt yeah okay well, hang on let me just, as long uh, as it's flattering let me just <laughs> <laughs> let me just find the, the old synopsis here <laughs> Okay. A vampire tells his epic life story, <laughs> love, betrayal, loneliness, and hunger. Uh, fuck me, I thought Brad Pitt was in the room though. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I said flattering that. <laughs> that was flattering. <laughs> so right. without further hesitation, Alex, it's over to you to kick off proceedings. Right, uh, going to kick off proceedings really need to say that um, Spud had a really good interview in Train Spartan as well just before, <laughs> <laughs> just before we go on I just needed to get it said uh, right um, I'm going to start with uh, Gav why is it not a good film 
Okay, so the film commences with Brad Pitt's Louis the Vampire, uh, sounds like a children's TV program, doesn't it? Um, who <laughs> has engineered an interview with Christian Slater's reporter. He regales Slater with the story of his death as a human and rebirth as a vampire and the subsequent 200 or so years that follow. He describes the love-slash-hate relationship with his maker, Lestat, the creation and demise of his vampiric family and his struggles for acceptance in the vampire community. Once he has finished his story, Slater, getting the wrong end of the stick, wants to become a creature of the night. He is scared off by Pitt before subsequently falling foul to Cruz. The end. Uh, or not of the argument, but of the uh, short <laughs> synopsis there. Um, there is one thing that this film suffers from massively, and that's a crisis of identity. It's too dark to be a romantic gothic horror, and it's too romantic to be an all-out-and-out horror film. So what we're left with is a very uninspiring drab tale. The film essentially is split into two, Louis and Lestat's relationship and the formation of their family, and then Louis's search to fit in as a vampire. The first section had the potential to be the most interesting, but is unfortunately let down by the performances, which I will go to in a lot more detail about in my second argument. However, it wasn't just the performances that hindered this story, it was also the dreadful script. There were massive amendments were made from the wildly popular book to tone down the homoerotic subtext, which greatly affected the narrative. Hollywood depictions of vampires have always seemed to revolve around powerful and alluring male vampires seducing young and impressionable women. With Pitt essentially taking on the role of the latter, there was the opportunity to do a very interesting take on the vampire tale, but unfortunately I believe that the studio was so afraid that they would alienate all audiences that they removed all suggestions of homosexuality and instead left us with two vanilla heterosexual vampires with limited personality and questionable motives. What could have been portrayed as a combustible and unpredictable relationship, similar to something from a Tennessee Williams play, instead ended up being a vampiric take on the odd couple. And if this toothless portrayal of their relationship wasn't bad enough, the the script goes full-on chest-beating, red-blooded hetero with the introduction of Antonio Banderas's Armand, who sensually murders a lady on stage in front of hundreds of people after getting her completely naked. I mean, was there really any need for that, seriously? As if the adult female characters in this film weren't useless enough here's a bit of salt to rub in the wounds the second half of the film is truly forgettable and even though it is afforded a healthy amount of screen time feels both slow and also rushed alex i might add you are the judge for this and it seems that you are just laughing at gifts that joel is actually laughing at his notes that he's his taken notes. down to oh right is he yeah is he yeah. very very funny notes <laughs> moving as well i see <laughs> with offensive imagery <laughs> they were, no i just no it's, not. <laughs> yeah, it's okay would you like on. to share with the classes <laughs> <laughs> so the second half is both slow and rushed the setup of the theater de vamp uh, sorry teatro de vamp is uh, it takes forever essentially, whereas Claudia's death, Louis's rescue, and the demise of the vampire community is just incredibly hurried. The pacing throughout is just erratic. Scenes where very little happens are drawn out excessively, and important events are hastily thrown away. For example, Lestat's return from the dead and subsequent second death after he was killed off for the first time all happen within about four minutes of each other. The cinematography as well is a little dated. All of the modern day shots feel, feel very old, and the many external night scenes look very poor quality. 
I would be surprised if they did a 4K restoration of this, to be honest. Although Stan Winston's practical special effects are very impressive, the use of CGI in scenes such as the plantation being burned to the ground and Claudia's transformation into a vampire have not aged well at all. And while we're talking about Claudia's transformation, I'd hate to think what Austin thought about this. If he thought Hocus Pocus was reminiscent of Loita, then then he must have reported this film to the police. (laughs) Kirsten Dunst was 11 years old when this film was made and the depiction of her relationship with Louis was frankly unsettling at times. In conclusion, a weak script with no bite that just plain sucked. Okay. <laughs> Good flourish. Strong, strong, Good, strong nice flourish. I've got to hand it to you. Nice flourish. flourish. Uh, I will be noting you, Dave, if you don't flourish. But are you ready? Bloody hell. <laughs> ready, Dave? Yep. Go for it. Okay, so we got an interview with the vampire. Now, this is actually one of the best vampire movies ever made, contrary to what Gav has just told you. This is an incredibly lush vampire movie. It is epic in its scale. Neil Jordan, the director who was behind The Crying Game and other such films, um, he said he wanted to go out there and create kind of the gone with the wind of the vampire genre, as it were. And happily, for the first time in vampire movie history, while everyone is on their phones, he had the budget. He had the budget in which to do it. (laughs) I was checking what was was so hilarious that Alex was laughing at before. <laughs> he actually had the budget to achieve it, and the budget was well spent. On a budget of sixty million, they still grossed uh, two hundred twenty-four million worldwide, I believe. Uh, like we say, box office success is not a hint of a good film, but you know it. it well, no, it is a hint. It's a hint. It's not the be-all and end-all, but it's a hint. Um, it was based on the 1976 novel of the same name, which was Anne Rice's first instalment in what would become the Vampire Chronicles, probably her magnus opus, I have to say. Fantastic books, really well-written, very intriguing characters. I've got to disagree with something that Gav was saying about them toning down the homoerotic elements of it. This actually is considered a bit of a tour de force um, for, for the kind of homosexual aspect of films, and it is rated, I think, uh Second, it is the second highest grossing LGBT film of all time behind The Birdcage. Um, they actually, Anne Rice herself did the screenplay for this. She adapted her own book for the screen. Neil Jordan uh, made a few changes to the dialogue here or there, but did not change the plot. And I think it worked really well. Anne Rice herself called the film a masterpiece. She adored it. She thought he'd done a really good job and really uh, great work with, uh, with her original novel. She originally had some concerns that Hollywood would not take well to the story of two gay vampires. And so she herself thought about uh, changing the character of Louis, which is Brad Pitt's character, to actually make him female. And I'm quite pleased that they didn't. She did this because she perceived homophobia to be rife in Hollywood. She perceived it to be circling, as it were. And she was talked out of it by Neil Jordan, by the studio, who said, no, you know what, let's just keep it as the guys. I, p- give, give people a chance. They'll be more open-minded than you think. And you know what? It worked. It could have been more toned down than, than Gav was saying. It, they actually did a really bold move here with this film. It was a really brave choice to make, and I think it really paid off. This is a very different film. And we're going to go into the uh, the character development of, of Cruz and Pitt and their relationship on film and what have you, but um, it works. It really works. This is intriguing, and it's an intriguing concept in many ways because it is a family. You know, the, Gav talks about inappropriate relationships with Dunstan Pitt, and it's, it's not really. It's a father-daughter relationship. That is all this is there is nothing sinister there well apart from them killing people but there's nothing more than that um and i think it's uh, 
I got to disagree with what Gav was saying about Armand as well, Antonio Banderas' character. He is not chest-beatingly hetero. He is, in fact, very effeminate. Uh, very I meant sensitive. his introduction, his introduction. Isn't it well, under the bridge or the actual theatre the vampire yeah, thing? the theatre the vampire. I don't think. That, I, I agree. There's, there's no need for nudity in, in cinema. You know, there, maybe there was uh, another element to that. But I actually think it's meant to be horrific. This is a horror film. And it doesn't really, it's not a horror film in the terms of it will go for jump scares. This isn't a horror film to scare you. This is a horror film to make you uncomfortable, to, to send chills down your spine. And the murder of that girl in the theater of the vampire is horrific. It's, it's ghoulish. You know, when she's stripped naked, it's not an erotic thing. It's, it's making her vulnerable and it's leaving her completely helpless. And it's really uncomfortable to watch. There is no eroticism to it whatsoever. And the way that she is killed is, is savage. And Brad Pitt remarks on it himself, you know, he's like monsters. These are his own kind, and he says this, this is vile, and you're supposed to be un- made uncomfortable by that. It's not chest-beatingly hetero in any way, shape, or form. The cinematography is superb. I'm glad Gav uh, mentioned the special effects. CGI is used sparingly, and you know what? It was, uh, it was quite innovative for its time. The transformation of the vampires was really well done, and Stan Winston did superb work with the animatronics. Uh, the, the original murder, there were a few, the original death of Lestat is... Uh, terrifying to be honest with you when tom cruise has his throat cut he then bleeds out onto the floor and they use an animatronic doll as his face withers and sinks into itself and blood just goes everywhere and it's still to this day even though i think you need to employ a degree of the uncanny valley because it is just a cgi it's not a cgi sorry it is just an animatronic model but it works it is terrifying and that bit where his face is all contorted as they sink his body into the swamp it's it's chilling stuff it really is this is a very atmospheric horror really well made uh, production design was nominated for an Oscar, which it well deserves. It is beautifully set and beautifully shot. Okay. Um, very interesting stuff, guys. Thank you. Um, so character witnesses, uh, there's a little bit of quibbling about, you know, cinematography and, and, and different parts, but it seems like a lot of the points are talking about, Gav was saying that they didn't really push the sort of very sort of homosexual relationship between Lestad and what's the bread? Louis. 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 Uh, Dave saying no, he did. Like they definitely did. Did you pick up on that? And also, what did you? So you, did they? Did you pick up on that relationship between them? And did you think that Kirsten Dunst was a family thing, or was it more of like a bit of a weird incest vibe you're getting? Um, so the homose- homosexual thing, yes, I think it's um, it's it's not blatant, but it's it's there. It's insinuated. It's it's fairly obvious, and you know you get you can definitely um, go along with that. You know, it's a lot of the language because it's it's quite flowery. Um, language and the, the way they behave, and um, and I think Kirsten Dunst's character actually um, mentions it herself, doesn't she? She brings it up um, in one of the scenes, and I can't remember what it is, but it's it's essentially pointed out to you. If you weren't aware of it before, then there's a little scene where she says he wants you, uh, you know, he wants to be with you, wants to spend time with you, that sort of thing, and then like you have to leave me behind. So so it's 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 pretty obvious, but um, I don't know, may, maybe some people didn't pick up on it, but. I thought, I thought throughout. I, th- I think you pick up it way before she tells you, so um, that's all right. And then I'm not sure about the family thing with Kirsten Dunst. There was a little bit where um, where I thought this is a bit creepy, but it, it's a bit like you know in uh, Leon, where <laughs> <laughs> back to my Leon, <laughs> yeah, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but you know where um, where he sees her as uh, something to be protected. Yes. And she sees him, uh, you know, she, she sees him as something to idolise and to yeah. love. I think it's more along those sort of lines. I don't, I don't think it's okay. quite as creepy as, as, uh, as it could have been. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Joel, where do you come on that? Uh, 
pretty much the same, to be honest. But I think it's one of them where when somebody says, this is a bit creepy in it, your mind starts to work then and you're like, actually, you know, yeah, it's, it's one of them things like, you know, you can't unsee it. it. It's kind of a little bit like that. So, but when you watched it, did you pick, did you feel, oh, that's a, that's a little bit weird, that incest vibe? Or were you, When I watched you... it the first time, I don't remember any of that stuff. But when you watch it the second time, when you're actually looking for stuff, there's like really weird stuff in stuff there. Stuff to find. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, it's not like you watch it and you be like, you know, this puts me off the entire film. You know, don't think it's intentional, that type of thing. Okay, but unsettling stuff. Uh, Gav, do you want to Yeah, my, my argument about the relationship between Louis and Lestat was that they just didn't push it far enough. It was hinted at, right. but not okay. ex- you know, yeah, explained. Yeah. It wasn't... They they could have gone a bit further with it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Bad. And and I, I would really, I would honestly, if they were to include that as an LGBTI film and have it as the second most successful, I think that's just, A, you know, the characters are never explicitly described as, as being gay. There's no um, there's no kissing scene, there's no love, there's no romance displayed on the screen and both of the actors are straight. So I, I don't actually think you could call it an LGBTI film, to be fair. And I think... There's no way that it should be the most, the second most successful one anyway. Two, two beautiful male actors uh, clearly enjoying each other's company. I don't know. I think that works. Okay. Works for men and men and women alike. Works for Statham and The Rock, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> right. um, yeah, I just wanted to, I just wanted to flag something up. Um, in the original novel, I looked into this with Interview with the Vampire. It is actually only implied. It's heavily implied, and probably more so than it is in the film. But it is just still implication. I don't think it needs to be that on the nose. This was still quite a bold move, and not to be uh, underestimated by any moves. And yeah, like I say, in Anne Rice's novel, it is just really more implication than anything else, and you still get that from the film. Okay, thank you, know, you very much. You know, on IMBD and stuff, when you click on you know the, like the trivia tab, and it gives you like little bits of information about each film, and it says you know like hundred out of two hundred users like this, ninety five percent are actually from Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. Thanks, Joel. That is uh, that is going to sway my uh, my decision. Uh, right, Dave, you want to go for this time? You ready? Yep. Characters. I want to talk about characters and performances now. When Tom Cruise was cast as Lestat, fans were up in uh, arms about this. The fans of the original novel series, they said he is not Lestat. And Anne Rice herself said, he is no more my Lestat than Edward G. Robinson is Rhett Butler. Uh, Clark Gable played Rhett Butler for anyone who's listening. Um, but by the end of the film, after she was sent a VHS copy of the, uh, of the film... She actually changed her mind and wrote a letter apologizing to Tom Cruise and said, from the moment I saw him on screen, he was Lestat. And she said, she's, as she admitted herself, she's never been one for modesty. She says, I like the thing that people will look back at Tom Cruise's Lestat the same way they look back at Olivier's Hamlet. It's like, sure, many <laughs> wow. people, many people, yeah. yeah she apparently herself oh, Shakespeare. Yeah, in that one, she's Shakespeare, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, she is. She admits herself, she's not one for modesty. Yeah. But essentially what she's saying there is, although many people will play this role again and have done before, there is an iconic version of it that just stands out in people's minds, and Tom Cruise will be that Lestat, no matter who plays him yet, uh, in the future. And his performance, I've got to admit, it's bloody good. It's really good. I was amazed that Tom Cruise had this in him. I mean, I knew he was good in Rain Man, I knew he was good in A Few Good Men, and things like that, but this was a completely different kind of role from him. This was very sinister, very charismatic and flamboyant. I never really thought Tom Cruise was being a flamboyant actor, but he pulls this off brilliantly. Uh, the intricacies of his relationship with Brad Pitt, it it's really does work between the two of them because, and I know this will be a criticism of Brad Pitt, he is quite stoic in this. But I think it works. I do not rate Brad Pitt as an actor. 
I'm going to put that out there. I don't think he's particularly good. In this film, however, he genuinely does get away with it. I'm not saying he knocks it out of the park or delivers a brilliant performance, but it doesn't impact the film. He gets away with it because the character of Louis, as he's delivering his interview and stuff, he's a, a very complex character. He's racked by guilt. He has this respect for human life, which didn't disappear as his body died and he became a vampire. He still doesn't want to kill. And he's still racked with this eternal guilt that will never leave him. And he's very depressed as apparently brad pitt was himself on set so many night shoots took its toll and right. he was actually yeah, in a in a complete funk he actually tried to get out of it many times just because he hated the night shoots they're affecting his mood so badly um but yeah the as the actor was the character is depressed he is stoic he is morose he is not flamboyant there is not much enthusiasm to him but nor would there be given his mind state and it's a perfect counter and foil for tom cruise's lestat he doesn't share uh cruise's joie de vivre or joie de mort or whatever you want to call it at this point i guess but it's a it works perfectly the contrast between the two characters <laughs> the french joke it really well, raised the game let's, let's start the leon car come on it's got to be french um i think that's but the two of them together deliver some good performances and i think you know pitt although he's not a great actor gets away with it in this one. I think Antonio Banderas does a very good job. The cast is not big. It's not a huge cast. Uh, but Antonio Banderas, I have to say, with the small time he's given on screen, really makes an impact. He delivers a very good performance. Very intriguing character, Armand. One you wish that they'd done uh, more sequels to this so you could have seen him again. Uh, Stephen Ray, I suppose, does a very good job. He, again, he's not given much to do, but he puts his all into it. No one could say that of him. And I've got to say, Kirsten Dunst is fantastic in this. She got a Golden Globe nomination. This is a very challenging film film for a young actress to do i think she was 12 when the film came out she was actually not allowed to see it because her parents thought it would be too scary but um their presence on set and you know the way the director worked with her and things like that meant that she was shielded from a lot of the more horrific aspects of the film and as far as i can see they did a decent job of that and she and the performance that she gives is incredible it is like it funnily enough with her being a vampire who's like 40 50 years old i think by the time the film progresses uh she is mature beyond her years in many ways in this film and yeah the performance she gives is stellar and to be praised and finally i think christian slater although a very brief moment in the film i think he actually gives a very good performance in this and that's difficult to do with such little screen time it's just kind of like a peripheral character but i've got to hand it christian slater actually did a very good job and again he's not someone i'd necessarily consider to be a great actor so yeah i think even those that aren't themselves necessarily normally great actors good performances were drawn out of them in some cases just fortuitously given the way they had to play their character and in other cases i think neil jordan deserves some credit for getting the best out of his cast Okay, thank you very much. Um, right, Gav, casting characters. I'm going to limit you to only two hours going on about Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm going to go highbrow here as well. I believe it was Aristotle <laughs> who said, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And although Dave has championed the parts played by Stephen Ray, Kirsten Dunst, etc., this whole of a film can never be considered great due to the downright woefulness of Brad Pitt's performance. Do, Start the clock. I, just, I, I, don't, I don't know if Aristotle Aristotle would have quite gone with that. <laughs> I don't think he knew Brad Pitt. But... <laughs> uh, Brad Pitt is just fucking awful here. The guy struggles to play a vampire. You know, creatures that are cold and emotionally dead, which pretty much describes most of Pitt's performances. He is monotonous to the point of tedium. This character is supposed to be struggling with their vampirism and is confused and emotionally volatile, but there are so many times when we should see passion, anger, or some form of emotion, and he just fails to deliver 
river time and time again. There's a line that is particularly bad in which he says, you lack the courage of your convictions. It's supposed to be passionate, angry, bitter. He's furious that his humanity has been taken away from him and that his desire to feast on humans has grown stronger. But this just sounds like he's slightly annoyed that somebody's just cut in front of him in a queue. I I know that I bemoan Pitt's acting ability in most reviews, but this film is something else. Pitt has since come out twice to criticise the film, as Dave alluded to earlier, once in 2011 to say that he was miserable throughout the film um, due to the intense makeup application sessions and predominantly filming at night. Again, in 2014, he said that he regretted making this film and that it was one of his worst movies ever, which is a bold statement considering some of the shite he's done. (laughs) Couple his off-screen misery and the fact that he was still fairly new to acting and the result is a lukewarm piss of a performance. Every scene he's in suffers because of it. And because Pitt is the main character in this film and appears in almost every scene, the entire film suffers for it. And I'm sorry, Dave, I'm really sorry, but Tom Cruise's performance is nowhere near as good as you remember it. <laughs> Even if you did just watch it last I night. It last night. <laughs> <laughs> Cruise is supposed to be charming and irresistible, but has all the charisma of a toilet brush. If you're going to cast... Brad Pitt, as one of your leads, you need to cast somebody with immense charisma and screen presence to counteract this. Unfortunately, Tom Cruise was not that man. Cruise instead plays more of a Renfeld, or sorry, Renfield character than he does a Dracula. And not, he doesn't just chew the scenery around him, but he devours it. Their chemistry is supposed to be explosive. There is supposed to be a homoerotic undercurrent running throughout their relationship, but their performance is less love-hate lovers and more just complete apathy. Brad Pitt's reaction to Lestat's first death was priceless. He literally said, and I'm not making this up, oh, like when he saw <laughs> Kirsten Tunson killed <laughs> Tom Cruise, he said, oh, there's a scene where Louis supposedly unleashes his fury at Lestat, but this is shown via Pitt charging Cruise back and forth between two trees in what I consider a genuine laugh out loud moment of the film. The producers had hoped that this would be an Oscar contender, similar to Silence of the Lambs three years prior. And although it was nominated for Best Art Direction and Best Music, as Dave said, acting nominations were no were in sight. The only acting award that this film won was a Razzie for worst on-screen couple for for Pitt and Cruz. And although Dave might argue that the supporting characters save the film, they don't. This film... Well, the bulk of this film is about the relationship of two vampires, and that relationship is like a vampire's reflection in a mirror, nowhere to be seen. In this film, the vampires have reflections. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, do they? I was going to say it was a good flourish, but apparently it wasn't. So (laughs) uh, I'm going to go over to the character witnesses. Uh, Talking about characters here, basically, is Brad Pitt is shit? As kind of both of them said. Like, Dave didn't say he was shit, but he said that Brad Pitt's not... He's a stoic actor. It's not really... Not the best actor, so he gets away with it. Did you think he was any good in this? Does it do, does he get away with it? Does he, as Gav says, is he lukewarm piss? <laughs> and, <laughs> to, and sort of takes away from every scene. You know, to defend lukewarm piss, <laughs> it's meant to be around that temperature. So <laughs> it's not its fault, is yeah, it? It's, uh, it gets away with it. <laughs> uh, does think, anyone want a really warm piss? <laughs> I can kind of see where Dave's coming from. You know, there's there's those kind of like very very few roles where Brad Pitt just gets away with playing Brad Pitt um which doesn't happen that often but it does sometimes and it it does happen a little bit here um he's kind of like in between his friend's performance 
and his performance in uh, Assassination of Jesse James. Kind of <laughs> somewhere in between those two <laughs> <laughs> uh, is this film. So, um, you know, it, it depends if you like Brad Pitt or not, but it doesn't ruin the film. Like, it's not as bad as, as Gav makes it out to be, but... Pretty scathing there, John. <laughs> uh, like Ozzy, Tom Cruise, is he flamboyant? Is he too hammy? Or is he? Do, does he Does he pull it off? There's a, um, yeah, there's a bit there's a big contrast between the two of them, definitely. But, um, but I kind of think that's sort of explained-ish because they're from two different eras mm. of being a vampire. You know, this guy's, you know, Brad Pitt's is a modern vampire and the other guy's been around for ages. And um, yeah, that, maybe a little bit over the top, but... I think it's Again, kind of, not I think film it, breakingly. No, I don't think it's film breakingly. No, it's it's just part of the story. You know, they're, they're two very different characters, and that's the idea. That last thing, what's their interaction like between the two of them, between Cruz and Pitt? Um, it, it kind of what you'd think of if you thought of a young Tom Cruise and a young Brad Pitt, but. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it, it, I'm trying to think what I think. It, it sounds like I'm slagging the film off, but I, I actually agreed with a lot of Dave's points. But, you know, you're asking questions there, which are all just bad answers, do you know what I mean? I can't say anything good about the questions that you're asking me. Are you, say, are you, are you saying they're bad this questions? This is the best interview I've ever seen. Are you saying they're bad questions? No, I'm not saying they're bad questions, I'm saying the questions that you're asking me are always going to be bad answers. Okay. Aussie <laughs> <laughs> step I in. So, I, I, thought, I thought the interactions, I mean, because so Brad Pitt is, he seems to be a bit torn, in this, you know, he's, he's a depressed character. He's upset that he's lost his life and he has to be a killer, you know, and uh, and the other guy is quite happy to be a killer, you know. He's mm. he's he's loving being a vampire and the other guy is completely hating it. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's I think the interactions are pretty good. I think it's, um, I think it's, it's kind of well I think it's interesting. Yeah, it's well okay. played. It's, it's, it's very verbose, though. To, yeah. to have a, another highbrow word, very high <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a lot of dialogue. Too much. Um, close. Okay. It's get a little bored. Yeah, there's a, there's a few times where, and, and I think no, it's because gosh, of the setting. Don't leave the witness. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think it's because of I think it's because of where it's. Uh, <laughs> I think it's because of the setting. You know, okay. where a lot of times when you have something, it's a period but drama. Are, are they repeating uh, the same stuff? Or no, okay. not so much. No. Okay. Cool. Um, right, closing arguments. Who would like to go first? Uh, Dave. That's me. Looks that's like me. you're up. <clears throat> you can go now. Thank you. This is a beautifully bleak adaptation of a beloved novel, which its author and its fans equally adored, despite their initial concerns. It is brilliantly scripted and directed and hauntingly acted. The film's visuals bring revelations to the vampire genre and immerse the viewer in an epic gothic landscape with deep character development and exceptional performances. Vampire movies have never been so thought-provoking and its protagonists have never been so intricate, complex and human. Okay. Short and sweet. Short and sweet. <laughs> 25, 20 seconds. Gav, uh, try not to talk... Totally about Brad Pitt again. Oh, like, <laughs> ready, 
Go. Brad Pitt is a <laughs> <laughs> This film doesn't know what it wants to be at all and greatly suffers from a poorly adapted script and serious pacing issues. What could have been a refreshing take on vampires ended up being another generic addition to an already extensive genre and as time has gone by has rightfully been lost in the shuffle. If you're going to amend the script and take out the interesting elements of a character or of a relationship, then you need to hire immensely charismatic actors to compensate for this. Unfortunately, Cruz and Pitt are not those actors. Cruz is completely lost in this role and instead of menacing and unpredictable just ends up being reminiscent of his appearance on Oprah and the less said about Pitt's abysmal performance the better I did have more but I've taken it out it's a shame <laughs> because Kirsten Dunst is amazing here but unfortunately her Radiant Rose is in- inevitably and overwhelmingly drowned by Cruz and Pitt's steaming pile of manure overall a weak script really drains the life out of the film but the poor performances hammer the stake through the heart <laughs> Give it the floor. Yeah, no, God damn. Okay, a lot to think about. Do I have a quiz? Uh, you do. Um, this quiz is called Mother Suckers. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, we're going to start off with it. It's 10 vampire based questions, mostly film based, but uh, we've got a few parody ones in there as well. So the first one will start off easy. Uh, um, who is the character Dracula allegedly based? Vlad the Impaler, Vlad the Impaler. Sure. Yeah. Vlad the Impaler, correct. In Friends, what vampire name is referred to when Phoebe's sister is making a porno? No. Um, I've referenced this name plenty of times. Buffy the Vampire Layer? It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's Nosferatu. Oh. Oh. Mine was better. Uh, the, the, the Lost Boys took how long to film? Was it A, 10 days, B, 3 weeks, C, a month, or D, 6 months? A month. I'm going to say B as well. B. Yeah, B is correct with three weeks. Wow. Um, In Blade, how does he actually become a vampire? His mum was bitten by a vampire and she gives birth to him. That's Mm -hmm. correct. Um, In 30 Days of Night, how does the the title character, um, Eben, how does he defeat the other vampires? He allows a vampire to bite him. And then he becomes a vampire. He gets the strength from him, and just before he turns full vampire, while he's still a little bit human, he fucks him up. I'll give you that one. (laughs) Um, How many Underworld films have there been, not including the animated one? Six. Four. Five. Was he? Three. Five is correct. Nice. Uh, name Dave will get this one uh, so I'll give the other four people a chance to answer quiet. first I'll shut up. name one of the two characters that are not eaten or turned by the end of Dusk Till Dawn oh one of the two characters Seth Gecko yeah correct and Dave <laughs> do you know the other one um, I know it's Juliet Lewis can't remember what a character was called <laughs> yeah Kate Kate uh, <laughs> excluding Nosferatu with a rating of 8 on IMBD what is the highest rated vampire film? Oh, the... I don't know. What We Do in the Shadows? Or one of the Twilight films, maybe? Nope. Nope. Um, Shadow of a Vampire? Nope. Blade? I'll give you a clue. It's not an English film or an American film. Okay. Let the right one in. Yeah, correct. Oh. 7.9. Wow. Um, why doesn't anybody like Count Dracula? <laughs> is this a joke? <laughs> <laughs> You've got to answer the question. Because he, uh, he impales a, people. He has a bat temper. <laughs> because <laughs> he's a pain in the neck um, and which one of these is a, a vampire related porn parody uh, is it A. Draculaia B. Count Spermula C. 
Ejacula. Or, or D from Lost Till Dawn. Is it all of them? Is it all of them? I have to say all of them. Count Spermula. Gav is correct, it's all of them. I know my porn parodies. There you go, there's the quiz. Thank that you, man. Brilliant quiz, thank you very much, Joel. Uh, okay, so it falls to me now to do the judging. Uh, it seems I'm pretty convinced that Brad Pitt's quite shit in this film. I, I, and like, it did sound like Dave was saying he gets away with it, but I don't. it doesn't sound like he does. He does sound a bit... You know, and it maybe sounds a bit... There's a reason for it since he was kind of depressed on set and stuff. So it does sound like Brad Pitt isn't great in this film at all. But also Kirsten Dunst sounds amazing in it like tricky challenging role she like grows older and older and older and she manages to show how old was she 11 or something like uh, 10, 11, 11 or 12 yeah. 11 yeah she managed to show maturity beyond a year so that that sounded really interesting um you know the first arguments you were talking about you know this homosexual relationship between them i do think to an extent it's 1994 so i i, I think the fact that it was even implied i think is actually a pretty kind of a thing in its favor for me to be honest I was very, I, to be honest, I think you can judge this down on, it's been very, very, very long time since I've seen Interview with the Vampire. And to be honest, all the things that they're saying about the family relationship, how they sort of grow a little bit older, the the, the way they work together, the, their interrelationships, and Antonio Banderas actually made me quite interested in it. And it made me kind of want to watch it again. So I'm going to put it on the hit list. Oh, wow. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah I, yeah, I thought they were pretty good arguments. And, yeah, I, d- I don't know. I, I also really like Tom Cruise. So whenever <laughs> Gav was saying anything against Tom Cruise, I was like, nah. nah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. So thank you very much for that, Alex. Uh, genuine opinions, Steve. We don't really need to get yours, but uh, like to say anything more positive about the film? Um, I'm pleasantly surprised it went on, on the hit list. And I am surprised, actually. It would not have been crime of the century if this went on the shit list. I think it is a good <laughs> Go film. Go on, Alex. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hell. No, no, I do think it's a good film. I do think it's in the right place. But, you know, it's, it's not perfect by any means. It is heavily flawed. Brad Pitt is shite. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I got that. I think <laughs> I think he just he does in certain places get away with it, but in others, you know, there's only so much you can do to save him. Tom Cruise is genuinely very good in this, though. I stand by that. And the rest of the film is good enough. You know, it's 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 a solid hit, I would say. But yeah, pleasantly surprised. <laughs> so my genuine opinion is, I actually quite liked it. To be honest, um, I find it quite difficult to actually write um, a prosecution about it. Uh, I would have definitely found it very, very difficult to write a prosecution about it if Brad Pitt wouldn't have been in it. <laughs> That's the bulk of my argument, to be honest. But yeah, Brad Pitt is, is just, he's, well, he's willful in anything, but uh, this is particularly bad because... He's good in some things. No, 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 oh, no, 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 he's not. No, he's not. Uh, he's not He's not good in anything. The Tree of Life may be a hit film, <laughs> but he's not good in it. Look Dave in the eye when you say it. So, um, so I, <laughs> Tom Cruise actually quite liked in it, to be honest. I, I thought he, he, he pulled it off, and Kirsten Dunst was just fantastic, considering it was her first film role. Honestly, she outperforms anybody she's in a scene with especially brad pitt you know he should be embarrassed that's probably why he's put it on his like the the, the worst film he's ever been in because watching it back he's like fucking hell got outacted by a child well you know he got outacted by that scene where he runs tom cruise into a tree he got outacted by the tree (laughs) (laughs) anyway right Uh, um, i've got got an interesting little bit of trivia because i don't know if we still do alex's trivia or not but i've got an interesting bit because of the height difference between brad pitt and tom cruise in the scenes where the walking alongside they had to dig a trench 
for Brad Pitt to walk in. So they are probably a bit sad. Yeah. So yeah, the the lengths they went to to make him appear the same height. It's incredible. Tom Cruise just saw the high heels. Surely it would have been easier just to give one of them a bigger pair of shoes. Well, no. Tom Cruise did wear stacked heels as well. But how big is he? Is he tiny? Five, six, five, seven, or something? Tom Cruise. Brad Pitt's like six foot tall. Well. Um, yeah, like just it's very odd. Why didn't they just build like a like a rostra or like a platform that he can walk on yeah, or something? Like digging a ditch is easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, so higher or lower than our previous Halloween horror film on trial, Hocus Pocus, which scored six point eight out of ten on IMDb. Seven point three. Seven point five. I'm gonna go for lower seven six point seven. Probably high. I'm going to say seven point one. Okay, so yeah, well done. To I can't even. I wasn't paying attention. It is uh, <laughs> six point seven out of ten. Dave, you were closest. Well done. No, I don't think I was. I think it was Joel. Joel. Oh, yeah. Joel. Thanks for that, you dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> Most things you say are just. Right. Com- if anything, I was furthest from the mark. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, so before we call this one a day, it's time to have a little bit of a caption contest. So essentially, we take a screenshot of the film and then we ask our friends and followers on Twitter to provide a caption with the winner winning a chocolatey frog-shaped treat. So, without further hesitation, I'm going to read out the comments. So, essentially, I've taken a a snippet of the film. Uh, Tom Cruise's Lestat has returned from the swamp. He looks like shit. And he's putting something in his mouth. Uh, I don't know what it is, to be honest. He's eating something, maybe like a fly or something. Anyway, uh, I've asked our friends and followers to provide a caption. You guys have just got to pick the funniest. So, number one. um, Oh, okay, right. So, I don't know if this is sensitive or not. So, uh, you guys tell me and then Austin can beep over it. (laughs) What Cruise really looks like before Scientology minion brings him the blood of babies. Ooh, wow. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> that guy's that just is, gone. Is Scientology big in the UK? No. 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 Do you it think we are big enough in America for yes. them to listen to? <laughs> I mean, Absolutely we've got not. quite a few listeners, but um, we're probably not on their radar, so I'm going to leave it in. <laughs> I think the chances of anyone listening to this who's a Scientologist is slim and the chance of us being big in America are slim <laughs> <laughs> number two uh, shoot- let's, be, let's be big in Merseyside <laughs> number two shooting this scene Lestat was 500 years older than Wilford Brimley while he was shooting Cocoon <laughs> uh, number three I'm lacking Thetans lately um, so I think Thetans are something to do with Scientology. Scientology. I think they're the, the, yeah, the, the, yeah, the spirit or something. Um, strawberries are not always sexy. <laughs> if you push just right, my teeth pop back in. You look fine. It's not that big of a deal. We forgot to set the timer on the tanning bed. It happens all the time. <laughs> uh, the next one, you shouldn't be eating all that MSG. <laughs> I've, I've been on that gluten-free diet and it pays off. I have never felt better. <laughs> Uh, the next one what Kim Kardashian would look like without her virgin blood facials wow. uh, everyone's talking about blood facials <laughs> um, personal hygiene starts with the mouth and the last one is I think this might be garlic uh, I'd say personal hygiene so, so the, I was thinking that one like as well that. he does look like absolute shit in that picture so. <laughs> you guys yeah yeah, yeah, go yeah with that. Go with that. Yeah. okay congratulations to our good friends the contrarians you have just won yourselves a Freddo okay and I will say what a coincidence because the, the section right at the very end that we like to give a little promo out to uh, some of our friends and um, fellow podcasters and today I did want to discuss the contrarians so congratulations first off for winning yourselves a Freddo 
Secondly, I just wanted to give them a bit of a shout out. So it's hosted by Alex and Julio. Um, really great banter between the two of them, to be honest. Uh, they review movies from varying ages, to be honest. A mix of genres as well, old and new. They discuss the movie in a positive uh, light initially, and then quite similar to us, to be honest. They give their genuine opinions at the end of the show. It's really, really entertaining stuff. I definitely recommend checking out any of their Summer of Travolta shows. So essentially, they reviewed something like, I don't know, 13 John Travolta shows back to back. Oh, really? Yeah. In how, how longest space of time uh, well it's, I think they were doing one every week all right, very all right. very punishing stuff to be honest so uh, <laughs> I mean rather them than us to be fair but they, they also did a, a, an episode right at the very end called the Travolties where <laughs> they summed up all of the films that they'd seen and dished out awards for the Travolta film so that was very funny as well so uh, yeah do, do check them out on any of uh, the podcasting platforms uh, that's the Contrarians or you can follow them on Twitter at Contrarian Prime uh, so before we call this a day just to say that we have picked the next Halloween horror pick and it is going to be Joel and your film is The Woman in Black so would you like to give us a little bit of a reason as to why you've picked this film it's just a creepy film and I was super interested to see what Daniel Radcliffe did after Harry Potter and I think well I could be wrong but I think this was the first one he did after Harry Potter Um, and it's for that reason so it's Harry Potter with a woman in black. <laughs> <laughs> Have you okay. seen that, other... that, that? That's my prosecution. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys seen that other Daniel Radcliffe thing? I don't know if we talked Horns about it or not. Or no, the other one, um, something. The other Swiss one. Army Man. Swiss Army Knife. No, not seen, seen that, that yet. It's, that. it's in the hat. The it it's in our hat, so I'm saving it to see oh, if okay. it comes yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's worth a watch. I think. <laughs> Well, you know, hopefully it'll be as good as The Woman in Black. One of the, uh, one of those films I've seen, but <laughs> Yeah, one of the four films I've actually seen you want to talk about. Oh, yeah. Not today, Austin. <laughs> Shut up. Right, we have picked the rest of the roles at random, however. So in the role of prosecution is going to be Alex. In the roles of character witnesses are going to be Austin and Dave. And in the role of judge is going to be me. Uh, just to say... <laughs> no, it was... Uh, it's, oh shit it's still going off it's a growl um, so just to say thank you very much to everybody who has listened to this episode and to all of our previous episodes you can catch all of our future content and our past content on any podcasting platform or on our website filmsontrial.co.uk also check us out on twitter at film trials recommend a film and once Halloween or October have finished we will put it in the hat and hopefully get around to reviewing it um, also why don't you check out our good friends and collaborators Austin Ray and Winston Sang at Aussie Ray and at the underscore quirks and check us out on all social media to be honest films on trial so that's it interview with the vampire has ended up on the hit list we will be in your ears next week for a continuation of Halloween Horror Month and bye don't play that backwards